0: Welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast, and it's a very special bonus edition this week. Joining me as always is Peter Henry. How are you, Peter? How's it going, lads? Colin Boogs there as well. Hi, Colin. How you all? And of course, Anthony Kelly. Hi, Ant. How's it going, lads? Lads, just, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to start off with a little mini quiz, if you don't mind, and uh, shout out your name if you know the answer. How many players do you think have Premier League winners' medals? Yeah. Have a guess there. Peter, I'll start with you.
1: I would
0: say 320. Cullum, higher or lower? Uh, 405.
2: And? I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say about five hundred and five hundred and twenty. 520.
0: Now, guys, I can tell you that only 262 players have Premier League winners' medals. Really? Yeah. is that, quiz, that one. They They've won uh, 508 medals between them, but just 262 players ever have Premier League winners' medals. So with that being the case, it shouldn't be too hard to find 11 players who are really good who haven't won the Premier League, right? Maybe not. Uh, I know you guys have been struggling a little bit with this, but uh, that's what we're trying to do, trying to find the list the all-time greatest 11 players never to have won the Premier League. So we'll start with the goalkeeper. Peter, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, obviously I was tempted to, to throw Shea Given in there. Um, I think the whole premise is to do this a pod on, on players who who made an impact in the Premier League, not necessarily players who had to have been there for their whole career. But the, my first pick anyway, the goalkeeper, he really was a player that played almost his whole career in the Premier League, a bit of a forgotten man, and that's Nigel Martin. Um, played his career Premier League career with Crystal Palace, probably most known for his spell with Leeds and then Everton. Um, but I always remember as a kid watching Match of the Day, Absolutely brilliant shot stopper, great reflexes, always pulling off worldly saves. And I think he was a bit unfortunate to come for his career to, to coincide with David Seaman. David Seaman, he only got 23 caps for England, but like an absolutely top class goalkeeper. Um, and one I always remember as being one of the best in, in the Premier League. And he didn't even win, a, he didn't, not only did he not win a Premier League, he didn't win a sausage throughout his whole career. So uh, he'll be glad he'll get into this team.
0: Uh yeah it's a tough position this one. Uh Colin what have you got?
3: I'm gone for my goalkeeper is the only uh player on my 11 who's still playing in the Premier League. <clears throat> so I've gone for Hugo Lloris. Uh Tottenham legend and a, a World Cup winner at France of course despite his uh, massive howler in the final, which is one of the most overlooked headers of all time. But um he uh when he's on form, people forget because he actually hasn't had the greatest season this past year, but when he's on form he's imperious. And uh, I would say he's one of the top three goalkeepers of this decade in the world because he makes himself look massive uh, at his best, makes some unbelievable saves. And put simply, Spurs wouldn't be the team that they've become over the last couple of seasons without Loris between the sticks. Um, I'd say if I did this list a year ago that I'd have a lot more people agreeing with me because in the last year you've had Ederson and Alisson making every other goalkeeper in the world look totally primitive, especially Ederson, as Pete mentioned last week, uh, on his player of the year. Made a good, very good case for Ederson, being this amazing passer of the ball. Lloris doesn't really have that range, but I think he's a real old-school, brilliant goalkeeper with a lot of presence. A lot of goalkeepers these days are very good shot-stoppers, don't have a lot else going for them. I think Lloris, on his day has the all-round package, and for me, he's the best goalkeeper to never win the Premier League.
0: Yeah, a World Cup-winning goalkeeper who hasn't won the Premier League, yeah. but has been in there for, how long has he been in the league? Maybe Close to a decade, I suppose, is it? Must be. Yeah, decade. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, not Here's a bad shout.
1: He was one of the first kind of sweeper keepers. I think it's just been brought to another
3: level yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I, mean. I, I think he's a good shout. I do. I think he's been brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad shout at all. Uh, and what about you?
2: Um, I've actually gone for one of my favourite keepers um, that Liverpool have had in my lifetime. It's uh, Pepe Reina. Um, obviously, you, you talk about sweeper keepers. I actually think Pepe Reina was one of the first I ever saw to be great with his feet. Um, and he was actually two-footed as well. He was great with his left and right. Um, could could play the ball out brilliantly. And um, it, a bit like sort of Alice Neres. So now he sort of changed my perception of how a goalkeeper should be. Um, he was a great presence uh, wonderful concentration especially in his early years when he had less to do um, behind a very very solid back four and you know every now and again he'd have that one save to make and he'd always be there to make it very very solid not like a big massive sort of headline grabber with loads of saves but um, just really really solid um, and a, a big presence in the team as well very vocal I, I like goalkeepers to be vocal and commanding. Um and he, he, he was always sort of, you know, it, always shouting. You could always hear Carragher and Reiner, Marshall in the back four. And I think we let him go far too early. Um, I know he's gone to be a bit of a sort of journeyman since leaving Liverpool. But you can't argue with the impact he had. I think I was looking at stats before. I think in his first three seasons at Liverpool, he had in less than 60 goals across three seasons and won three successive Golden Glove awards, which is just nuts-like. And then I think in his fourth season, he was only one goal off winning the Golden Glove. Um, so just an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper and I think had we had been a couple of extra players um better off in a way you would he would have ended up with his medal but sailor v
0: bloody hell lads this is a a very very tough one uh, three different choices, so it's down to me uh, we should say as well that each of you has a veto so if I pick one uh you're all allowed to use your veto and have your choice picked so that you all guaranteed get a player that you really want in this eleven so uh Bear in mind, use it sparingly because you only get one. Uh, they're all good choices, but column I think I'm going to go with you. The World Cup winning keeper who's been in the league for as long as he has and not won the league. And oh, I mean, he could still win it, but it's it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for him. So I'm going to give him this one. Hugo Lloris, our all-time best keeper never to oh, win the league. Boy. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I think so. I think so. And I'll stick with you, column Then let's go with the full-backs. Let's start at the right-back.
3: This was I don't know about the rest of you, but this is the position I struggle with the most. Both yeah, pull-
2: show me a column. Yeah, I guess.
3: <laughs> both pullbacks. In fairness, both sides, but especially the right back. It was between two, both Irish internationals. Uh, very nearly went for Stephen Carr of Tottenham because he was brilliant right before he got injured, and uh, that really he never was the same again. But I had to go for Mr. Reliable, Steve Finnan, unbelievable right back, and um, won the Champions League of course at Liverpool. Went, actually went off half-time in that game at Istanbul, so he got the wrong side of, the, of, that, of that match. But he's still a Champions League winner. Have massive respect for the fact that in a 10-year reunion in 2015, he was nowhere to be seen. They couldn't find him. Uh, yeah. Just disappeared <laughs> into oblivion, uh, which kind of um, really kind of uh, complements the character that he was when you saw him play. You know, Paul Scholes used to get a lot of credit for being the quiet man and getting on with the job, but Finn really was the ultimate. And just to talk about his ability... He was equally good uh, going forward and defending. He was a fullback, so rare these days that could really defend very well. Held the line so well, very rarely played his winger or opposing striker onside. Um, was just a fantastically solid defender, which doesn't sound that exciting. And, you know, it isn't really. If you look at his best bits on YouTube, you're not going to be thrilled. But he was, uh, he so rarely put a foot wrong, a bit like Dennis Irwin. Probably the only thing he was lacking was goal scoring prowess, but such a, a reliable, stable right back that in my team, which you'll hear the rest of, we really need some stable characters. So he's in my <laughs> 11 to do a very important job, and I'd have nobody else okay. to do that job at right back. So for me, he's the best right back to never win the Premier League. That's not
0: a bad shout. And Of course, he won absolutely everything else as well, didn't he? he won all the, yeah. all the other Cups. Uh, and what about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe I overlooked Steve Finnan really, but I, I think on balance there are going to be so many options for Liverpool that I think I maybe uh, opted away from, <laughs> from Mr Finnan, even though I was a massive fan of him. Um, yeah, I really struggled with right-back as well, a bit like Colum, um Really, really struggled. But I've actually gone with another sort of no-frills, maybe sort of left-of-field choice, uh, if you like, but I've gone for Bakary Sanya um, at Arsenal. Um, I think he was a bit unlucky to have played um, played for Arsenal in the time he did, when they were really struggling to remain truly competitive as a team. But um, just just his presence at right back was actually one of the most sort of solid and reliable characters in that Arsenal team. Very strong in the tackle. Um, A good all-round, solid defender, um, good presence in the team as well. Very physically strong and imposing guy. I remember never looked flustered, um, never sort of looked out of, you know, like he was sort of struggling or you know going to get caught out. And uh, obviously went to City as well, which was a sign of they wanted a good sort of night watchman to come in and use his experience, use his nous in the game to do a good job. Um, 65 caps for France. Again, a bit like what Colum says, he's not exactly going to get the, um, the, the, the pulse racing, but actually quite a solid fullback. And, you know, if, if your first job is to defend, then he, he gets in there for me.
0: Not bad shot at all. And Peter?
1: Yeah, I think I'm really showing uh, the fact that I have a couple of years up on most of you's lads with a lot of my picks. But mine's a bit left field as well, even though it's for right back. Um, and I'm going to go with Dan Petrescu. Oh. Um, he kind of rose to prominence in 1994 with the, that great Roma- Romania team in the World Cup in the oh, USA yeah. with Georgie Hadji, which were, were great to watch. Got his move to Chelsea, played for Chelsea between ninety five and, and 2000. And he played for Chelsea at a time where it was actually, they were kind of like everybody's second team. It was okay to like Chelsea back then because they had so much so many kind of aging superstars coming to him, to them like Ruud Hullet, uh, Vialli, they were really entertaining, a really brilliant cup team at that stage, like he won the FA Cup, the League Cup, the UEFA Cup Winners Cup, the Super Cup and um, when he was at Chelsea and he was just, he was one of the first really kind of Attacking fullbacks in the Premier League, I remember he used to maraud down the right. Brilliant going forward, solid defensively, um, and I just I just remember him as being a standout player from a really entertaining team. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dan Petrescu.
0: You know, I was all set to pick Steve Finnan, but I'm actually going to go with Dan Petrescu. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant choice.
3: Yeah, that's
0: fair, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's a great shout-out. And, and you're right, that was a Chelsea team that it was okay to like, and I feel we're probably going to get a few more players from them uh, in this 11. Uh Let's move on to uh, left-back then, and
2: Yeah, again, a bit of a problem position for me here, but um, just sort of harking back to the, those glory days of Euro 96 when it was... Um, you know, sort of England looked like they were on the right path and it was a there was a great sort of feeling behind the national team. And one of my favourite memories growing up as a kid was Stuart Pearce taking that penalty for England and just doubt how nuts he looked when he scored the relief after missing an Italian 90 in his face. And it just sort of really endeared me to him as a player ever since. Um I was probably a little bit uh, before his sort of Great years as a player with, with sort of Forrest and the old first division coming into the Premier League. But I just remember him being a really, really solid, tough, tackling, gritty left back. Um, sort of a, a pro that other pros respect, partly probably out of fear because they were slightly terrified of him. Um, but also just a, a guy who seemed to really, really love playing uh, really immersed himself in the game and um, didn't win much as a player actually. I think he only won two league cups with Nottingham Forrest. Um, but 78 England caps and a really de- de- deceptively good footballer as well. I mean, 107 goals he got from left back in his in his whole career yeah. for various different clubs, which is, which is good gravy really, you know, and um, sort of towards the end of his career, had some really solid spells, you know, with so Newcastle and City. And again, a bit like Sanya sort of a, a player who really showed his experience and his class and probably forgot more than half the young players ever knew coming through. So, he gets in there for me. And again, probably need a, need a good bit of old-fashioned tough tackling in a, a a team of flair as well, don't you? So, yeah, I always think there's a place for him.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough to top that, I think, Peter.
1: I actually have the, the same player. Um, I can't add much more than Ant did, except for the fact that I, I know why he got 107 goals, because he took pens, and he had an absolute thunder bastard of a strike on him. The kind of strike where the wall and the goalkeeper, you could see the fear in their eyes... Um, used to love big long run up as well, and he just twacked the ball. So, you would <laughs> see him doing that. Well, I will ask you as a quick, I'll have my own bit of trivia here. Who did Stuart Pierce play his last professional game of football for in 2016?
0: Was it like Waterford oh, or something like that?
1: You're cl- oh. yeah, you're in the right country.
0: It was, was it Drogheda? No, oh god, it was so I know, I know it's in Ireland somewhere. Was it Sligo Rovers, maybe? Longford. Longford. <laughs> yeah. Longford Town. Very good. Excellent. Uh, right then. Well, he, he's won. It. Just a, a quick mention. Did he, was it a hat-trick column or was, did you have somebody else?
3: A clean sweep, Sam. Clean oh, sweep.
0: Cheap. Clean sweep. Psycho mix it in uh, at left-back. Right. Uh, Peter, back to you then. Centre-back.
1: Um, I think it's probably anybody who's ever listened to any of our pods on Anything related to Irish football will know that I'm about to say forward. Palmegra.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> just, just, just to put into perspective for younger for younger listeners that never seen this man play, Virgil van Dijk was the third uh, defender ever to win the Player of the Year th- um, this season. Um, John who, Terry who was, was a centre back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who was a centre back? Sorry, um, and John Terry won it, but John Terry had captain Chelsea to the Premier League. So for a player who finished finished second to win it is a big thing. Paul McGrath did that in 92-93 for Aston Villa and he couldn't train. So he basically had the same kind of season, the same level of season that Virgil van Dijk had this season, but he couldn't train. So that just shows you what kind of a player he was. He, he had everything. He just oozed class. Technical ability, athleticism, and a just uh, an innate reading of the game. Like You can talk about You can talk about coaching and tactics and systems and it's all obviously important, but some people are just born as naturally talented footballers. And that was Paul McGrath, just an immense national talent. And for me, one of the greatest players the Premier League has ever seen
3: and the greatest player Ireland has ever produced.
0: Fair enough. Colm?
3: I can't believe I didn't put him in because I put him into my all time Irish five aside and 11 aside. But <laughs> I've left him out and I've gone for. Uh, well, I, I was going to give you the combination, but let's go for one of them. My first choice in the partnership was Ledley King.
0: Well, and, yeah, I, I was wondering where we're we going to get the, the most injured uh, centre back pairing possible, <laughs> who just never train <laughs> ever. <laughs> just just no, sit, uh, sitting Ledley, at the side of the pitch watching training happening.
3: <laughs> I mean. Ledley King just (laughs) fascinates me, fascinates me. Like, the guy could not train. He could not do anything. And the only thing he could do was go to the gym and have a cycle and have a swim. And then he'd play at the weekend and he'd be the best player on the pitch for years. At a time as well when the Premier League really upped its professionalism and the diet was much better. It wasn't like he was a 90s footballer. This was in the modern era when he was playing against extremely talented players from all over the world. The most, Probably the most famous uh, clip of his defending is when he tracked back uh, Arjen Robben, who was true on goal for Chelsea against Spurs at White Hart Lane, had about 10 yards on Nedley King. And like a steam train, King comes back and clips the ball away from Robben's foot. Just he's about to let rip uh, to put it into the net. But that was him catching up defending. Usually he didn't have to do any of that. A bit like Paul Legras. He would just, his anticipation was unbelievable. He very rarely went to ground. His heading was excellent. His chest control to bring it down to his right foot and passed off to his full backs. He was never flustered. He was actually a victim of when England had amazing centre half options. So usually it was Ferdinand and Campbell were the, were the partnerships there. So King sometimes missed out on that. I think in the modern era when there's a lot of back threes played, he would have played a lot more. But such a brilliant footballer who for me, it gets extra marks for the fact that he could very rarely play football, and yet he's one of the best defenders that ever graced the Premier League, and I could only wish for him that he was able to play this weekend the Champions League final, because that guy deserves more than the League Cup he won in 2008. Unbelievable player. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that's true. I actually, might go back to you and find out who your other centre-back was. Uh,
3: for me, uh, to partner him, it's going to be a classy centre-half partnership, lad. It's Marcel Desailly. Um, he's going to wear my captain's armband, too, with the with the uh, number eight in the back of his jersey. Uh, another World Cup winner. Um, a bit more tough tackling, a bit more streetwise than his partner will be. But that's what we need. We need the kind of uh, village Ferdinand partnership going on here. Um, but Desai was like a classy hooligan in a football sense. He'd absolutely take it out of it. But he was able to, to nicely pass off into midfield, start a counter attack and so rarely... Rarely let uh, his striker get the better of him, especially in set pieces. If you ever watch clips back of them, unbelievable header of the ball. Yeah, he was great in the air. Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's a great shot. I can't believe he he didn't win the Premier League. Peter, who was your other choice?
1: Um, I, I was I went for the Marcel, the Rock, Desai as well. Like, like I, you know, I was saying about uh, Petrescu earlier, but like when he came to the Premier League, kind of nine. I think it was about nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, he he won. He was the, I think he's one of the first, if not the only player to win back to back Champions Leagues with uh, different clubs. He did it with Marseille and AC Milan. He played centre midfield and centre back for that great AC Milan team as well. And he was like he was footballing royalty coming to the Premier League at a time where the, the you know the top players were still kind of going to Spain and Italy all the time. So he was just absolutely immense. I've heard like people like Shearer and and um and own talk about him they would say that you know there maybe was a bit of an accusation that he wasn't too up for a lot of games but when he was up for a game you just weren't getting by the fella he and he then on top of that he was an absolutely top class footballer so and i do think he john terry has spoken as well that working with him as a teenager had a big impact on his career an absolute you know the word Roy, rolls royce is used a lot to describe Really great defenders, and I would call both Paul McGrath and Marcel Dasai a Rolls Royce centre back pairing.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well, I'm we're going to say Dassay is in because he's got two. Uh, and who's your pairing?
2: Yeah, it's a clean sweep for Dassay for me. Um, again, just, just not much more you can add really, but he was he's one of those defenders. Um, I've seen a few of them as, as the modern game sorts of progressed where you look at him on the pitch and you think, oh, bloody hell, he's just a colossus in the air, and then you look at him and he's and you say only, but he's only six foot one, which is not that tall for a center half. And for him to have been so good in the air, so great in the air, to have timed everything so well, just another symptom of what a great player he was, you know, for that, that sort of concentration, the finesse in his game. Um and I, I think it's really interesting that John Terry cites Desai as such an an influence because I thought John Terry was similar to Desai, the way he attacked the ball. Um, not the biggest, not the time his jump very well, but you know, very rarely lost a header and he was just one of those players that you, you, you just feared playing him um, as an opposition defender. And um, he was very heavily linked to Liverpool as well at the time when he went to Chelsea. And as it, as it went on, I was, you just became more and more gutted that he never came to Liverpool. So yeah, absolutely fantastic defender and um, keeping up the sort of theme of classy defensive partnerships. I've actually gone for, um, for me, um, I, I think he's one of Liverpool's greatest players in the Premier League era. And I've gone for Sammy Hippier. And, um, just a player who came into to, to the club when we were really a bit of a laughing stock at the back, and everything about us at the time was questionable, including our mentality, our approach to games, our professionalism. And we got Sammy Ipierre for two million quid from the Dutch league uh, at a time when we signed a lot of sort of exotic, sort of Scandinavian, North European. Defenders, and as I like, oh Christ, we signed some Finnish defender for two million quid, like Cavani and Bjornaby and all these other clowns that we had. And you think, oh Christ, here we go again. But straight away, you could see he was completely different. Like he, he was just, just a, an immense, immense figure on the pitch. Great in the air, um, a bit like Van Dyke. I, I don't think I ever saw him lose a header um, at, at Liverpool. I don't think I ever saw him beaten in the air in, in all the time he was there. Um, lacked a the yard of pace, but read the game so well, and um, very, very composed. And when he had like somebody as slow as Stefan Onshow next to you to to keep you to keep your defense so organized and marshalled shows you how how sort of geared up he was. And deceptively good on the ball as well. Um carried the ball out really well um in a time when defenders increasingly had to do that as well. So just just a really, really top class player tr helped transform Liverpool from being a sort of weird you know, turn up to FA Cup finals in white suits and having a bit of flair, but no substance out turn us into a you know, a bit more of a steely team with possession. Maybe we lost a little bit of flair and sort of overcompensated the players like Hippia, but just the way he, he transformed Liverpool Football Club to me into one of the most respected defenses in Europe for a long time under Julian Benitez, so he's worthy of a shout in my opinion.
3: Oh, and wants him in big time. Yeah, do, do you know what?
0: <laughs> This is so hard now. It's so. Lads, I've got my fi-
2: I've got my finger on the veto button. Good and proper, here, lads. If Sammy appears not getting in, I'm vetoing the uh, shit out of that. I can, I
0: can I can I can tell you I can tell you Peter's got his ready to go. Say.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, this is like the European Union.
0: So <laughs> well, you see, I oh, do you know I mean they're all. It's such a great show for all of them because, like, like you said, uh, Colin. King didn't win anything else apart from the League Cup, you know. I mean, he he, yeah. he was such a player that deserved to win. So he is like your yeah. quintessential player who deserved to win more than he won. So I'm going to go with Ledley King.
1: God, man, brilliant call. Vetoed Paul McGraw.
2: Terrible Such a rule, not Ledley King. No, no. Uh,
0: is the veto's uh, the veto's been used by Peter? Is it going to be a double veto, or are you going to keep your powder dry? Uh,
2: I'm going to have to, because look, looking down my list here, there's nobody I'm too devastated about if they don't get in. But yeah, S- Sammy up here for me, it, he's just he's just an absolute gem of a defender. Like, and I, I know I'm de- I'm talking to three Man U fans, but you didn't realise how shit we were defensively until we signed Epier. <laughs> he, he transformed our club. Yeah, but
3: lad, <laughs> let the record state that Sam did pick Ledley King. I just want to put that
0: in. I did, I did, I did. Yeah. Uh, right, it's a Where double veto. It's, like it's a Yeah, he's in. It's a double veto, but Peter, you get to keep your one, so you get to to hang on to it for another little while. Uh, Right then, uh, let's move on to the midfield, and let's start with the right midfielder. Uh, I think we're at Cullum. Cullum, do you want to tell us?
3: Yeah, uh, I was in this 4 4 2 that we're all picking. I was determined to pick players in their natural positions. I didn't want to move anyone around. So I said, who's the best right winger to never win the league? And for me, uh, I'd have to go Steve McManaman. Uh, I absolutely loved McManaman growing up. It was one of my guilty pleasures because. uh, it was himself and Fowler as Manchester United fans that they were just so good to watch. And one of the best... I know that McMahon moved around a bit, but I would always remember him as right winger with uh, that famous Celtic goal at Parkhead where he picks the ball up at right back in the UEFA Cup. Uh, runs basically past half the Celtic team and finishes with his left foot, curls it into the far corner. Just such a classy winger. Um, just take it around full backs. No problem to him. There's a drop of a shoulder. Had this kind of odd... Like somewhere between jogging and sprinting style where his hair would flop, but he was so good on the ball in terms of his control of the possession when he was sprinting with the ball it was absolutely brilliant. And, um, you know, his fast was shown when he nearly went to Barcelona for, I think, £12 million back in, in 1998, which was a huge amount of money back then and waited a the year went to Real Madrid and performed so brilliantly for them. One got man at the match in the 2000 Champions League final against Valencia and scored in that game too. Is, isn't but,
0: he before Bale? I think wasn't he the most successful British export yeah. ever? Yeah.
3: And unlike Bale, he actually like embraced the culture in Spain and yeah, yeah. learned the language. yeah it the fans for sure. Yeah, was absolutely you know was was extra. he was actually on off the ball recently. Told the brilliant story about when he won the league uh, with Real Madrid and Robbie Fowler and Robbie Fowler's cousin came onto the bus to celebrate with them and threw on Real Madrid jerseys to celebrate with the lads. So. Um, just a guy who like completely stayed down to earth and played for two of the biggest clubs in the world, and was and was for each club their best player at one moment in time. I would have the, the best compliment I can give him. The reason I think he should be in the team is that he's a Liverpool player, and I absolutely love him. And he should have been with Manchester United the whole time because he would have won
2: loads of titles. <laughs> <A> brilliant <player. laughs>
0: uh, Right, Macca. I mean, that's a, that's a good argument. And
2: yeah, um, sadly for me, because. Um, I put McManaman in as a right midfielder, but I've got a real love hate relationship with McManaman. Um, yeah. I, I, as a kid, I absolutely loved him um, coming through the ranks. Um, a real, uh, everything you just said there, Gollum was absolutely spot on. You know, He had that sort of um, almost sort of language style. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, but, yeah that's, the word. that's the word. Yeah, but real like sort of composure at the end of it as well. Do yeah. um, you see a lot of wingers who came after them? They were like clockwork mouses. That's how I used to describe them. You used to wind them up, and you just run up and down the wing, doing fuck all all day, apart from run. Whereas McManaman had real penetration and and danger yeah. with, with the way he did things. You actually, you you, you just didn't He didn't know what to do. He wasn't just going to get the byline and put a, a bland ball into the box with any keeper to catch. I remember how
0: I remember how exciting it was watching him at like Euro '96 and stuff like that. You know, he was just
2: yeah. Hey. Well, I think there's he was really, really popular character at Real Madrid as well. I think there's, there's a story. I don't know who it was. It was one of the Galacticos met, um, I think he met Kevin Keegan um, on one of these sort of do's behind the scenes. And I think the first thing he said to him was, why, why did FNLs and McManaman get more England caps? Because you, you're mad not to pick him. Because he you only, you only ended, ended up getting 36 caps for England. And I know injuries had a, a, a go with him. But he sort of, for me, he typifies the English attitudes where we were a little bit, sort of untrusting of out-and-out skillful players we like the more reliable combative player like Pierce, whereas sort of more skillful players like your Hoddles and your McManamans your Letiziers who are like oh no, no, no don't like that don't like players of skill and flair no, no, no it's not that you know we've got gas going that's enough we don't need more than one you know it's that sort of weird attitude that we had for a long time but at the same time he also shit on us and left on a free. <laughs> um, so, so that really that really hurt me it's like, as you say we got we got a big money offer for him for Barcelona and we all knew he was going to go because we were really struggling at the time and it's like he's going to go so why do you just go for 12 million <laughs> why didn't you go for the money and just go for the free the next season and then he, he's become a really really negative Liverpool pundit as well every, every time we sort of give the ball away in midfield it's like the end of the world and like you know he, he's like the proper sort of naysayer sort of doomsday merchants as a pundit so I'm, I'm not a big fan of him did, <laughs> off the
0: field did, did you but pick real,
2: him I did yeah real really top class player um just uh, I, again you you can't sort of deny what he did for Liverpool on the um on the pitch um and then obviously at Real Madrid he just became an absolute sort of um stellar player for them and I, in, in a very very good team as well so yeah McManaman has to get in there for me
0: uh is it a clean sweep Peter
1: Um, It's not but I'll easily, well they're going to win because there's two there but to be honest I'll blame my own lack of time putting together this team earlier because I had every position picked apart from a second striker and a right midfielder it pretty much picked itself. And due to time constraints and the fact I wanted to get two players in, I've shoehorned Gianfranco Zoli. Uh, do um, I'm uh, sure... Right h- and h- when I heard Colm saying Steve McManaman, I went, ah, bollocks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: don't do worry, I'm, I'm sure Zola will get a mention later on. Right, Macca makes it in yeah. at uh, right midfield. Left midfield then.
1: Left midfield, I think this one this one for me is quite easy. easy and I would very upset if he doesn't get into the team is uh, David Ginola. Um, absolutely top class footballer. C- came originally, you know, 95, 96 as part of the hugely and uh, Kevin Keegan Newcastle side. He was brilliant there for, for a few years and um, moved on to Spurs. I think he kind of reminds you a little bit of Eric Cantona and the way he... He really thrived in the Premier League, but was almost uh, ostracized in France, you know. Um, very unpopular in France. Um, But yeah, I, like absolutely a, a joy to watch. And I think he kind of came a, around a time where we were used to seeing right-footed right-wingers and left-footed left-wingers. And he was very much one of the first, I can remember anyway, kind of inverted wingers in the Premier League, a right-footer playing on the left. Um, brilliant dribbler. Really, maybe not like when that, uh, McManaman, but he didn't seem to have that raw burst of pace. But he used to just glide by players, and he, he was so dangerous because you know you think of an Arjen Robben type inverted winger now. You just try and show him down the outside, but if you showed him down the outside, he could he could pick a cross out with his left foot as well, beautifully two footed. You know the 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 goal against um Barnsley is is, is a highlight of his career um and, and of one of the great kind of goals of the last well, probably 20 years in English football. Um, and then, yeah, for him, he won the PFA and the, the, the FWA Footballer of the Year in 1999 with spur playing for a Spurs team that finished in 11th place in the league. I don't know, but I'm guessing that might be the lowest league finish ever for... Actually, Janino won it when he was relegated, but there's not many players that finish in the bottom half of the Premier League and win the, you know, player of the year. So, yeah, for me... Uh, He's a he's a player I always look back at with great fondness, David Genola, a really classy operator.
0: Yeah, yeah, and what a handsome bastard as well. Colum.
1: Sorry, should I mention a beautiful
3: motherfucker.
2: He's a sexy bastard.
3: <laughs> Colum. Uh, there'll be no shoehorning anybody into any position, right? Because I think there's brilliant players than this, right? And I, I that's just the way it is, like, you have to leave them out. So I had I had Genola written down and then I crossed them out. Because I was like, no, no, this guy made more of an impact than me. And it's, it's very recent. But Gareth Bale, for me, changed a lot of my perception about me thinking that the old school winger had gone. First of all, the guy started as this scrawny, not very pasty left back for Southampton, who was a free kick specialist, then had the uh, unfortunate nickname of Gareth Bale in his first 18 months at Spurs, because they never won a game when he was in the team. Then he was on the verge of being loaned out to the championship. I think it was either Nottingham Forest or Millwall were about to sign him. Birmingham, and the only, I think it was. Yeah. Mm. The only reason that Harry Redknapp didn't loan him out to the championship was Benoit asuokaro had to go to the African Cup of Nations to Cameroon. So Bale stuck around. And then, of course, fast forward, becomes this incredible winger on the left-hand side. And the game that changed his career. And one of the standout games in the last 10 years for me was that second-half display uh, against Inter at the San Siro, actually, yeah. then the follow-up game against Inter at White Hart Lane for that game and a half, he was just incredible. Like, it was like a teenager playing a couple of years um, above his age, um, or sorry, against against kids way younger than him. I should say, he was just had made an absolute mockery of Mykon, who up to that point was, regardless, of one of the better right backs in the world. Um, there was actually a brilliant animation done on YouTube a few years ago of Bale's uh, performance in that second half and in the whole game at White Hart Lane. And I used to watch that animation uh, the morning of every game I played because I often played left wing. And it was like nothing kind of, <laughs> like, nothing got me going like watching that To be like, that's class. Did it work, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. I got my move to Real Madrid. The, the, so, <laughs> uh,
2: the first minute, yeah.
3: No, <laughs> so I often woke up not wanting to play, so I was like, I'll watch a bit of this. And Bale was uh, Bale was the man for me. He uh, he just changed. like he just I've never seen a more evolved player, maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, to what he became. Other than that, Bale just became this kind of very talented, but okay, left-back, a bit like Luke Shaw, uh, into this world-class winger who uh, in his last two years at Spurs was unbelievable. Like the amount of screamers, people will actually forget about it now, the amount of screamers, the amount of times Spurs were struggling with a few minutes to go and he would produce a pile drive from 35 yards or just take on the whole defence and slot it in. Uh, an absolutely brilliant player for me. Definitely the best winger to never win the Premier League.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Uh, Ants, what about you?
2: Well, I kind of feel guilty now because... Pete's pitch on David Ginola was actually really valid, and like I, I, I actually considered Genola for the team. You know, again trying to shoe on him in somewhere. But um, and I suppose if we're looking at it, you know, a player who changed the game quite a lot, changed our perception of what's expected from a winger. But um, I have actually gone for Gareth Bale as well. Um, a, a bit like what Colin says, just one of the one of the best sort of left wingers I've ever seen in the game. If I'm being totally honest with you. He, he was just absolutely phenomenal, um, real, real force of nature. And that evolution from him, from being this sort of scrawny kid, it was sort of just renowned for having a decent left foot and being okay at free kicks. I remember him coming through at Southampton and being a bit of a YouTube player at Southampton um, and then sort of forging his way into the Spurs first team. I think if you look at those last two seasons at Spurs and how he came across, how he have developed so quickly into a top-class finisher with that combination of pace and power. Um, It's very, very audacious as well. Like The the confidence that he had to take on virtually entire defences on his own. And then he had that sort of lovely sort of deft finish about him at the end as well. Almost almost Owen-esque a little bit is the the way he used to finish um, with some of his shots. And again, one of those players who you appreciate more when you see live. I saw him at Anfield a couple of times, um, uh, especially when he was getting towards the peak of his power at Spurs. And he would literally, he would just leave your defence for dead. Um, he would force your back four to sit a bit deeper. Uh, I remember Steven Gerrard trying to keep up with him and just being just made to look his age by this young kid. He was just a real force of nature and um, had wonderful feet as well. Um, unfortunately, Liverpool felt, felt the brunt of his uh, his powers in the Champions League final when, he, despite his injuries that he's had at Real Madrid as well, he still got that you know ridiculous world class ability to be a match winner from nowhere. Um, so I, I think for me, he's definitely in, uh, in in contention to one of the greatest wingers never to win the Premier League. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
2: Paul, and, uh, Paul actually, when he
3: sorry, Paul Scholes said when he came back the second time after initially announcing his retirement that he knew he made a mistake when he returned when he played up against Gareth Bale. He said he knew he was finished then. He yeah, well, absolutely mockery of him.
0: Uh, and of course, what he won the Champions League three times, scoring probably one of the best. Final goals, maybe ever. Uh, I, I, it's funny. You know what? After Pete's pitch, I actually wrote down on my because I'm writing down the team as it goes. I'd actually written down Janola going. Oh, well, it's definitely going to be him then. Uh, Pete, are you going to use your veto?
1: No, I already used it. Yeah, I, 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 don't really argue. Bale, like Bale's a solid enough choice. It's just he's still only twenty nine. You know what I mean? Um. There's still that chance that he might still come back to the Premier League if anybody's prepared to pay him 600 grand a week. But yeah, no, I can't argue too much that you know, he is class. I was kind of looking more into the direction of players who will never have the chance to win it again. If you Yeah,
0: don't. yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. B- Bale's in there then at left and field. But Pete, you still have your veto actually because you got double vetoed earlier. Hippia is in at centre-back, so you still you got your your one back, uh, we decided. Uh, yeah,
1: but I'm other. Using the other I'm you like the centre back pair pairing is is now Paul McGrath and Sammy Hippie because I vetoed
0: SAE right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Fair enough.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, well, it's
1: like it's unique it, like when you're talking about the two strikers, the two the centre mids or the two uh centre backs, you've actually you know, you can veto two. Be really complicated if Colm had it came in, then we would have been in trouble. Like, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, fair enough. Desai, despite actually being voted for by all of you, uh, is out and <laughs> McGrath is in. <laughs> this is making a
2: mockery of democracy, this now, mate. It's a mockery
0: of democracy. Uh, right, let's move on to the centre midfield. And Ant, we'll go to you then. Uh, who do you have as your first centre midfielder?
2: Um, first centre mid, I think he's got to be on anybody's list. Um, he, he kind of, it's a bit of a funny thing, really, but he's kind of almost sort of um, the Bob Dylan of centre-mids for me. Um, just so influential and such, like, so many midfielders sort of tip the cap to him and just say what, a, what an influence he was on their career when they were kids. I think I've read from, like, Xavi and Pirlo, have talked about him um, as players. Um, coming from Rooney mentioned him in his autobiography. Um, but Matthew Letissier, for me, just, just has to be in there. For yeah. me, he's one of the best Englishmen never to have played for a traditional big club. Um, I know he had, obviously, fitness issues and he was very he was very tied to the South Coast for family reasons, but I just think it's one of the great shames that a, a manager like Wenger or Ferguson never got their hands on the Tissier and put him with some gem players like Giggs and, and Henri who were making top-class runs. Because I know everyone looks at his penalty record and his his, um, his sort of worldy goals he scored on match of the day, which were of the season contenders, but one of the things I loved about him was that sort of... Ability had to slide role players in with that that gorgeous sort of perfectly weighted pass, um, you know, as you know, and to see that run um, before anybody else saw it. And bear in mind, he was playing with Southampton, so he wasn't exactly working with great players. And he, he just he was just head and shoulders above anybody else um, down at the Dell for years. Um, you know, and again you look at him and it, it's one of the reasons why I love football so much because you look at him and he, he couldn't play any other sports and be successful because of his shape and his natural weight he just looked top heavy all the time but he, he made it look epic. um yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: sorry and, did, did, did I fall asleep and we moved to the strikers or, or did what what happened oh, he's a <laughs> midfielder the Yeah. yeah He's a number 10
2: at nah, midfield No, nah, he's, sense- he's always a centre-middle, Always a center mid. Uh, I
1: wouldn't fancy playing centre-midfield with him, Jesus
0: Christ. Uh, well, you according did. to Wikipedia, it's uh, playing position attacking midfielder, so there you go. Uh, so it counts, it counts. Uh, Pete, I'll go to you. Would you have him in there as well? Was he in your 11? Because I know you love him.
1: I do love him, but I... I, I... Well, I don't want to give it away, but I have not further forward. In the field. <laughs> I, think should, I think you gave it
2: away, Pete, to be fair. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, um, yeah, no I, I've gone for two more kind of traditional centre midfielders, if you will. Uh, the first one I went for is Zabi Alonso. Um, just an absolute, I used the phrase earlier, but Roy- Royals Royce of a footballer. Um, one of the best passers of the ball I'd ever seen, technically just immense uh you know that that live when you think about that kind of liverpool midfield him gerard and mascherano how they well how they didn't win the, the premier league is 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 beyond me really i suppose the rest of the team around them wasn't the best um rafa benitez got a lot right when he was at liverpool the whole trying to sign garrett barry to pl- replace zabi uh, Alonso just still makes the mind absolute uh, absolutely boggle and that's of course why why Alonso decided the following year he he was out of there and I think he kind of had the last laugh he went on and won Leagues with Real Madrid Champions League Champions Leagues with Real Madrid and then off to Bayern um, where he he won I think it was three consecutive Bundesligas um, working with Pep Guardiola also part of that you know, Spain international team that, you know, now it's a bit of time gone. We can probably call the greatest international team of all time. Absolutely dominated um, international football for the space of four years. Zabi uh, Alonso, p- absolutely pure class. I actually, when I was thinking about it, i reminded of this quote from Roberto Mancini when uh, when I think of uh, Xabi Alonso. And this is the quote uh, Mancini said. Barcelona players are, are passing the ball at least 25 times to reach the goal Sabi Alonso is doing it all in a single pass boom
0: yeah I mean it's going to be hard to top him I'm, I'm wondering is this going to be an all Liverpool midfield actually um who, who is your other one
1: uh, the other one is it, it's Stephen Gerrard. yeah um, you, know, you can't really argue 120 goals 92 assists. 504 Premier League seasons, 504 Premier League appearances deserves to be in in any conversation when we talk about the best ever. A a Royal Rovers type player used to drag Liverpool to victory. And even as a Man United fan, it it was hard not to appreciate just just what a player he was. He kind of had everything, he was tough when he needed to be, could play with anybody. You know, great goal scorer, great at that kind of almost uncoachable ability to arrive in the box at the right time. And I think even as a staunch Man United fan, and I think all neutrals, you know, when they look at Steven Gerrard, we can all, you know, honestly say that um, he should have joined Chelsea. <laughs> uh,
0: Colin, I'll go to you. Can you just tell me both of yours as well? And Ant, I'll come back to you in a sec.
3: Uh, first of all, and calling him the Bob Dinnerville Fielders definitely wants to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'll go. Okay, so I'll go for my first try sent the mid, and he was also my veto, the best player of all time, Matt Letizia. Um, yeah, like, all I'll say about him is just fucking YouTube Matt Letizia goals and. Better than any porn you know. That's incredible. <laughs> can can yeah.
1: I just say one, Sorry to interrupt you, Colin. Just one thing. I when I was looking at Manchester, which I think is is a we should all be grateful for, is that he scored exactly 100 Premier League goals. There so go. not the sky 100 club. Can you imagine if he had only scored 99.
3: That's <laughs> very true. Um yeah, he and, and that 100th goal was the last game of the Dell against yeah, it was. the yeah. the Turin Valley. Incredible. Uh, and also, the, that break, he scored at home to Newcastle in 1993. The best two goals scored in one half in the history of football. Incredible. Um, so he's one of my centre-mids and he's my veto, so thankfully we have him. And then the other one, uh, quite simply, yeah, the best player never to win the league, stephen Gerrard. Easy.
0: Fair enough. And uh, and did you have Gerrard as well?
2: Yeah, I had Gerrard, um, definitely. I mean, it was a toss-up between Alonso and Gerrard, but again, a bit like... A bit like McMahon, I mean, I've got mixed feelings towards Alonso because I think there's a lot of outsiders uh, always mention the Gareth Paddy situation, but there was a lot more going on uh, than that behind the scenes. And I always, I always looked at Alonso, and um, his heart was never really at Liverpool, despite what he said. Whereas um, really Steven Gerrard, he, you've just, um, you can't fault him as a footballer. He's just an absolute gem. Um, a, a bit of a once in a lifetime player, really. I mean, you can sign plenty of world class players, but to produce one as good as that is just completely priceless um, and he, he genuinely carried us um, for a long time uh, there was a crossover period between Gerard Hulia and Benitez when we were bang average as a football club no pace no width no creativity crap up front and um, Gerard was just this, a bit like Gareth Bale what Colin was saying before when you needed him he would just pop up with an absolute screamer um, or he'd, he'd do one of those little sorts of famous runs where he, he wasn't the quickest players but he had that stride he had like long legs and a big stride and he'd make you 30 yards and all of a sudden you'd be in a great position and he, he had the distribution to play somebody in um, just just a, a fantastic player some of the screamers he scored when he was younger as well the, the audacity and the uh, the confidence that he had to do it I think definitely he's got to be up there as probably the greatest player never to win the Premier League Um had shadow of a thousand, in my opinion, just an absolutely belted of a player.
0: And a clean sweep, so he makes it in alongside Matt Letizia, which takes us then to the front two. And this is going to get interesting, I think. Colin, you've got a veto as well, so let's hear uh, Let's hear your pairing. Uh, well,
3: my veto was Letizia, so we're grand, are okay? not we? Well, you didn't need to use it. So it, got, it got in no, so. anyway. Uh, I don't feel that strongly about these two. <laughs> so uh, all right, say. then let's see what you got. Uh, all right, my first choice was uh, Luis Suarez. And uh, it, it's a painful one. There's no love there at all, obviously. And, it's, and the reason I picked him is because in 2014, when Liverpool nearly won the league, it was because of him. Like, it was him who I was terrified of as the Manchester United fan. It was all Suarez. I was just so scared that you had this amazing striker. Uh, I mean, I used to think, you know, Fernando Torres was brilliant for Liverpool too. But then Suarez has took on to this other level. I remember that goal. He scored a car road against Norwich. Um, he had bounced up about 45 yards out. and He just volleyed it in. But it, he arrowed the body. It, was just, it wasn't just a hidden hope. It was completely measured. And he scored a similar goal at home to Norwich where he, it was at a ridiculously tight angle and he had to kind of swerve his body to hit it. Um, and he had this uh, amazing style. I remember one goal he scored away to QPR where he would knock the ball almost to the defender's feet. It's almost like tempting the defender to, to dive into the challenge. But whatever way he used to knock the ball and then manoeuvre his body, the defender had no choice to, but to either let him go or to foul him. So he was just such a pest to play against like you can imagine. He's turned into the pantomime villain now which he would eat with each passing year. Uh, even Liverpool fans hated him there in the recent game of Barcelona. So he has no problem uh, giving it his all for the team he currently plays with, regardless of what uh, ex-fans of his would have loved. Just an absolutely brilliant player. Uh, one of the best Strikers to ever play in the Premier League And if anyone deserved to win the league 2014, it was him Brilliant
0: So that's one, who's the other?
3: And the other one, just one of the most fun players To ever play in the Premier League Gianfranco Zola um, Wish he would just stay around for a couple of more years To get that Premier League with Chelsea uh, You know The goal again, again Norwich, the victims But that's, um, the Zola finish The Zola flick as it's known from the corner Into the top of the net I remember when he first joined the Premier League, he absolutely destroyed Gary Pallister at Stamford Bridge against Manchester United. He turned him inside out and then a left footed finish past Michael. He was the closest thing in my eleven to like an AstroTurf player, where he played like it was a game of five side just not making people, just being a little shit, just being like this brilliant technician <laughs> who was an absolute nightmare to play against, but played with a big smile on his face, still does as coach at Chelsea, um, doesn't really seem to take the game that seriously kind of understands how much of a joy it is and he he's childlike in the way he plays and he makes it fun to follow and another player where it's not so much that I wanted him at Manchester United I was quite happy I was kind of happy enough for him to be at Chelsea because Chelsea were pretty harmless back then but he was just you know he suited them and I, I just loved watching him and he was a danger but he's one of the few players when if he did score against you you'd be like that ah, was a good goal though he, never, <laughs> he scored a poor goal so I think he would compliment Suarez quite well I'd have no massive love for the partnership but Zola and Suarez for me are the two best strikers to ever win the league.
0: That's a good shout, uh, Peter. I'll go to you.
3: Yeah, I, I was, I, I, fully agree
1: with Luis Suarez. Um, you know that that season, 2014, 31 goals in thirty three games it will go down as I think one of the great individual seasons, um, in Premier League history. W- wasn't he banned thing, for a part of that as same- well? No, that was the season before, and I tell you a funny story about the season before. Um, but I was going to say that was a, a that's a sneak peek to one of the upcoming pods, the uh, best individual seasons by players in the Premier League, and I definitely have Luis Suarez in my list there. I think Colin did a very good job describing him as a player, but the year before he scored twenty three, twenty four goals, um, and I had United won the league the year before when Van Persie joined. And I put hundred euro on Van Persie to finish top scorer um, that season, and he flew. He started the season like a house on fire, and um, so I thought, I oh, this, you know, this five hundred quid—it was down. To, it was in the credit union already, lads. I said, This is done. And then, <laughs> and then Van Persie kind of went off form a bit. United had the league wrapped up early. And Suarez start banging in twos and threes because he struggled when he went to Liverpool first to score. Remember that, Ant? But he was really good, but he just
2: couldn't score for for a while. That was accusation, yeah. That he was a great footballer but not a great finisher, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. but and then he just started flying up. And then I remember, like I was going, he was going to catch Van Persie, and then I remember he bit Ivanovic, and I was there going, "Good man, Louis, the money's back in the bank now." But uh, yeah, so thanks for that, Louis. But yeah, no, a brilliant player, (laughs) an absolute shit house as well, which I think. You know, as much as they annoy you, football needs shithouses. Otherwise, it'd just be born. And he's, he's an elite level shithouse. There's absolutely no doubt about that. <laughs> All
0: right. So, he's one. And who's the other?
1: Yeah. My other one was going to be Matt Letitiae. But I think the lads have kind of like waxed lyrical about him enough. So, I just look on Column. Zola, I'm going to just mention two people Column Zola, the backheel goal against Norwich at the near post, the volley. One of my favourite top five goals of all time. Absolutely ridiculous technique to execute that. And just to give him a mention, I know he's not going to get in, but I'm going to go. A man you know I love dearly, Sam, and that's Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, what what an absolute delight it was when he came to the Premier League first. Um, you know, I remember as a kid going around doing the Klinsmann dive for hours on end. Um, just just brilliant when he when he came, obviously with the big reputation of being been a diver after diving in the in one of the European Cup finals for AS Monaco I think against AC Milan and then to to score a, a cracking header on his debut and to, to do that that dive to just kind of the whole like he came to England as a hugely unpopular figure and with that one like with, with that ability to take the piss out of himself, he automatically just had everybody on his side. I've never seen any a player turn public opinion so quickly. Um, absolutely fantastic. So I, and he was, he, was, he was top top drawer, Jurgen Klinsman, in everything he did, movement, shooting off either foot, athletic ability in the air. absolutely top player. And, and really, kind of one of them one season wonders in the Premier League, I think just he was phenomenal during his time.
0: That's funny. I I was sure you were going to go with Super Kevin Phillips.
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I see, It's hard, Sam. It's hard, man. Kevin Phillips, the the last Englishman to win the European Golden Boot. Not a bit of trivia for
0: you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So not not Phillips. Then, uh, and who have you gone as your pairing?
2: Um, yeah, I've I've gone for. Uh, Luis Suarez I don't think there's any arguments in column summed up brilliantly Um, just an absolute mad bastard um, (laughs) and an absolute joy to watch I mean I'm not sure about I speak for every Liverpool fan here but I personally had no problem with what he was doing against us in the European Cup semi-final Um, if I saw a Liverpool player not giving us all and not trying to win that game of that magnitude I'd be absolutely fuming with him so I had no problem with what Suarez was doing yeah he's the pantomime villain but the way he winds people up is, is actually quite comical Um, obviously there was some unsavory side of his game which we all know about but um, he was just literally I've spoken to all the Liverpool supporters as well who've seen some of the best players ever at Anfield and they've all said he's the most skillful, most naturally gifted player ever to wear the number 7 which when you consider he's up against Al and Keegan and some of the other players is one hell of a compliment and I was actually at the Norwich game when he scored those 4 goals I've been a bigger night at Anfield against a bigger opposition but watching those goals live, you're just like, fuck me, this guy can do anything. Um, you know, it was one of my one of my favourite games I've ever been to at Anfield, and it was only Norwich and a and a 5-1 win. But um it it, it was the goal he scored. Um he, he kind of the sort of he just tormented the defender, d- dragged it in on his left from a sort of angle past the defender came straight to him. He sent some flying and then hit it on the sort of half volley, And it, it's just an absolute screamer of a goal. I and when mean, you watch it slow down the technique and the timing and, and his body shape as he hits the ball just everything about him was, was phenomenal to watch and um, that that Liverpool team had they won the league that year in 13-14 it would have been the joint worst defensive record ever to win the Premier League which shows you how shite we still were really it's just that we had this absolute gem and world class player up front so yeah I think he has to be in there like definitely yeah,
0: well, So Suarez definitely in uh, are you going with the Liverpool front too is Fowler getting a shout?
2: No, um, I've actually spent about 10 or 15 minutes before this pod just watching highlight reel after highlight reel of Zola again. Um, just reminded me of how enjoyable to watch that Chelsea team were um, in the late 90s before Abramovich came and wrecked it all. But um, <laughs> they were just a fantastic team to watch and Zola was just a little genius of a footballer. Um, yeah, I, I, Arsenal and Henri and all that, sort of that era get a lot of sort of praise and credit for bringing football forward. But I think Zola doesn't get enough because yeah. he, he came to the Premier League at a time when, you know, you, you mentioned Pallister before. I, I saw them absolutely ruining Julian Dix. And, you know, you have some absolute donkey defenders who are still very old school and lumping the, lumping the ball in the air with the player that they have to. And Zola made them look silly. He made them all look flat-footed, slow, you know, ponderous. Uh, even better players, he, he just humiliated and he had such great feet I love watching players like that who've got ridiculously quick feet and they can think faster than anybody else. Um, the goal he scored against Man U when he left to for dead, then you can just see Schmeichel just completely flat-footed by the finish as well. He was just so audacious, such a bold little footballer. And um, I just, I just again, just played with a smile on his face and made you want to watch football and enjoy it. Um, yeah, he has to be in there just, just for that, in my opinion. So Zola and Suarez for me.
0: Well, there you go, folks. Uh, so our... our... All time greatest Premier League 11, who never won the Premier League, uh, is Hugo Lloris in goals. We've got Petrescu at right back. We've got Hippia and McGrath in the middle. Stuart Pierce is our left back. We've got Steve McManaman uh, right midfield. Gerard and Letizia in the middle with Gareth Bale on the left. And up front, Luis Suarez and Gianfranco Zola. Not a bad 11 at all, but some serious players have been left out. Yeah. A uh, good shout as well, I think, lads, with the, you know, the kind of more solid players in there, because it starts getting a bit, like, quite mental in oh, places. It gets a bit
3: 2 o'clock in the morning there in midfield, isn't it? <laughs> it, it does, is a yeah. <laughs> it's a sexy-ass midfielder. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going home with them, like. Yeah, yeah. The, you know who I actually really struggled to uh, leave out? My 12th man was uh, Harry Kew. I absolutely loved Kew at Leeds. Kind of ruined oh, it the but he was
0: unbelievable at least <laughs> yeah 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 uh, right then that's uh, that's it for this uh, if you've uh, got any you know if there's any players that we didn't mention that you think should have made it in you'll find us on Twitter at footyfaithful underscore and you can uh, leave your comments under there and tell us your all time greatest 11 who never won the Premier League and uh, well, we'll be back again next week with a very special European Cup final all Premier League extravaganza so make sure you listen in then and of course subscribe on all platforms uh, you'll be able to find the podcast and you'll never miss it again. Just time to say thanks to the lads. Thanks, Peter. Cheers,
1: lads. Enjoyed that.
0: Thanks, Colm. Cheers, lad. Thanks, Ant. Thanks for lads. Cheers. And it's goodbye for me. We'll see you next time. This episode of The Football Faithful is brought to you by Carling. Now we've all gone to the bar to buy a drink and carrying one glass, well that's okay. Two glasses, that's alright too, but three and things start to get a little bit difficult, you need to start doing that little triangle and four, well that's pro level pint carrying. But Carling, how come up with a solution? They've got a new glass that has got lots of little grooves in the top and a narrower bottom so that means you can carry four. No problem at all. So next time you need to go to the bar to buy a round, make them a carling.